Here we go again, recapping the deals that happened this weekend. A uh, few of these trades were late on Thursday, so they're also being covered in this pod. Uh, first, we have the Blue Jays linking up with the Reds, uh, and the Reds' fire sale continues as they look to stockpile for the future. The Reds get back a decent haul of specs here, led by the Blue Jays' top pitching prospect, Ricky Tiedemann. He's ranked 19th spec in Specville um, and the 31st in Baseball America's Top 100. He has three plus-to-plus-plus plus plus pitches with a 65-grade fastball, 60-grade slider, and 70-grade changeup. This shows he has a three-pitch mix that could play in the MLB right now and a good get for sure. Next, the Reds get Samuel Zavala, an outfielder for the Padres, ranked 173rd in Specville, and at 18 years old, the prospect projects positively for the future. He was also the Padres' fourth-ranked spec after they empty out their system for Soto. He is about 50 grades all around, but projects to grow with 6'1", 170-pound frame on a left-handed hitting 18-year-old bat. He hit for an OPS of 896 across two levels, the highest uh, being low A ball. Lastly, the Reds get Colson Montgomery, the White Sox uh, third baseman slash shortstop, ranked 97th in Speckville and 39th on Baseball America. He has a 55 hit grade, power, and field and arm. The lefty batting shortstop hit an 810 OPS across two levels, topping out at double A. Projects to have a high floor and a lock for PT in the future. Uh, well, I guess there's one more prospect in the deal. Uh, Brian Ramos, the 208th spec uh, in Speckville is what the White Sox third baseman ranks, uh, was also the fifth-ranked spec last year. He had average grades across the board and projects to be a solid major league regular, and $15 of cruise cash also went to the Reds. Then on the Blue Jays' side, first I'm going to touch on the minor leaguers here. Uh, they got a couple of minor league minor leaguers and an ace on arguably the best ace contract in the lead. Uh, Aaron Bracho, or Bracco, the Cleveland second baseman, uh, unranked in Specville, but was the Guardians' ninth-ranked prospect yet again with uh, 50s throughout a high-floor prospect who had a low a 605 OPS in high last year. Then Jamie got Anthony Garcia, Yankees outfield prospect. He was unranked in Specville and hasn't been on the Yankees' top 30 since 2020. You have to think this move was a dump of a minor slot so that the Reds, because uh, the Reds couldn't roster anyone else. Then the big name in the trade, Shane McClanahan, the Rays ace pitcher coming off a top five finish in the Cy Young Award run race. He's on a $4 contract on the first of a max extension, projected for an amazing amount of volume of 495 points, which is more than one standard deviation as an SP1, making Jamie Staff one of the few with no negatives throughout. Shane is a young arm who already had two Tommy John surgeries in the past, but is showing great promise as a stuff carry pitcher, um, as he is one of Eno's favorites when it comes to pitch shape and movement. A great gift for the next four years. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this trade here, Dan? Yeah, so I think, like, obviously the biggest part of this is getting McClanahan. Um, I think it was a pretty fair price, I would say. Um, I think McClanahan is, like, a literally, like, top two. Like, the only one you, I think you can argue that is higher than McClanahan is Strider, as far as when you take into consideration the, the contract you're getting with it. Yeah. Um, they're both just absolute aces. Um going to have you know they're young they're going to have you know plenty of success throughout a four-year contract um and they're both cheap so if you look at McClanahan obviously four dollars this year and is going to be just a star for the entire four years of that contract um so that's the huge get here um Jimmy did have to give up a fair amount um it's a lot of guys that are looking to potentially uh break into the majors this year or next year um with a lot of potential um but McClanahan's just huge um, in this trade. And like you said, the other two prospects dreaming up back were, are basically just droppable. 
um for the most part like i think there's a very good chance they get cut by the end of the year um uh and not and not carried through but um mcclana it's really mcclanahan for the four prospects and the cash which i think is a pretty fair deal overall um obviously the reds are selling um and looking forward to the future so you know are they going to be competing or are the reds going to be competing in the next you know three or four years on mcclanahan's contract maybe not and so you know getting these prospects i think is huge yeah, I agree. And I mean, you got to think McClanahan is one of the most valuable, like you said, because even at the end of his contract, even if he gets the um, franchise extension, he'll be cheaper than even like SP4s or 5s that you would win in the auction at an ace volume. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, at the end of it, it's going to be, what, $13, I think is what it'll be uh, yeah. in the last year of his contract. And if you're looking at it with the volume he's getting and, and, and all that, you know, it, it's going to be a 40 or 40 or forty dollars save probably is what you're looking at there. Thirty or forty dollars save um, over you know what the, where those other guys are going to be going in the draft. Oh yeah, I mean I like Samuel Zavala and Colson Montgomery's young. We haven't seen him play that much, and Tiedemann's obviously one of the top pitching prospects in the game. But I mean you got to think Tiedemann's Tiedemann's ceiling is McClanahan. So I mean to get McClanahan at three dollars or four dollars and give up a guy whose ceiling is that. I mean, I know it's a good get for the Reds because it's high-rated prospects, but that contract is just worth so much. Yep. All right. Yeah. Then we got the uh, the next trade here. Now the Reds continue to sell off as they have made another move linking up with the Orioles in this one. The Orioles start off by betting on past upside, getting the starting center fielder in Philadelphia, Brandon Marsh. He's on a $4 of the first of the four-year contract. The ceiling is met. Uh, he has the prospect pedigree to be a top player in our game. The only real question is if that once five tool upside is still even there. Uh, then you get uh, the Reds get back uh, Hunter Bishop, the Giants outfielder, not ranked in spec fill, but was the Giants 24th ranked prospect led by a 60 grade run tool, but only 40 hit. He really has to work on his on base skills to make that tool useful. And Kyle Stowers, uh, the Baltimore outfielder, probably DH on a $1 contract on an R1. He's the 149th ranked spec in spec fill and ninth ranked uh, spec for the Orioles, according to Baseball America, led by 65 grade power. Projected to get ABs in the majors this year. 214 points is pretty solid for an R1 and provides good depth in the outfield. Uh, the last player in the deal was Jimmy Hargett, the relief pitcher for the Angels on a one of a two-year deal uh, at $4, projected for 190.5 points, which is pretty solid as all relievers are a bit of a wild card. The Reds also get to a two dollar bill of cruise cash and then i forgot to say here what brandon marsh projects for 270 points uh this year what are your thoughts on that one yeah i think it's a i mean i think it's a fine trade uh brandon marsh i, I don't think it's worth a lot and he's he's cheap which is a good thing and he's going to get at bats and has i think some good upside um and you know i think you get really i think uh stowers is probably the the you know good player that you're getting back here um the cruise cash at, at you know, just two dollars doesn't matter too much hunter bishop being unranked doesn't really make a big difference here um and then getting a relief pitcher at <laughs> five dollars is not bad um on a shorter contract but i don't know i think that's just it, it's very replaceable like replacement level um right. on that relief pitcher contract but um, i think getting stowers back is pretty good um and this i think i think it's pretty pretty even this one as well yeah, I would say Stowers and uh, Marsh are similar uh, and probably projected points for this season. Uh, but the only thing with Stowers is it's uh, his bat has to carry him, whereas you know Marsh is going to get playing time because that Phillies D 
defensive outfield is so awful that his speed and arm and range he can cover is there to make up for the uh, Kyle Schwarber's and uh, well, I know Bryce probably won't play because of that. It's... Yeah, Br- Bryce will play in the second half of the season. So at least for the first half, you know, Brandon Marsh is going to be an everyday player there. Um, when Harper's back, maybe he ends up splitting some time um, there because you have two guys that are kind of a lock. But um, who knows? We'll see. If, if his bat is, you know, good in the first half of the year, he's going to be an everyday starter for the whole year. But um, I think there's a chance that when Harper comes back in July or so, you know, Marsh ends up playing every other day or something along those lines. Yeah, I agree. Uh, then uh, the Blue Jays make another trade, this time with the Pirates. The Pirates got Jock Peterson, $14 on a one-year contract, projected for 368 points. He slid into his outfield two and is above average at that slot, even as a platoon bat. I would look out for him to get traded deadline uh, in the big leagues as someone who needs a lefty masher, uh, always is needed at the deadline, which could affect his uh, playing time in a positive or negative way. So that 363 really is carried by projected uh, full-time at-bats, and you never know how someone's going to play him in the second half of the season after the trade deadline. Uh, then you got the Blue Jays get the $2 R2 Detroit outfielder Matt Beerling, who's been quite discussed as a stat cast darling with his barrel rights and exit velocities, projected for 205 points, and is a good gamble for future value to get back for a 1-1 contract. Uh, Jamie also got Jack Leftwich, uh, the Cleveland starting pitcher, who is also $2, but an R1. He's ranked 278 in Speckville, a recent draftee who pitched to a 2.72 ERA across two levels uh, with an 11.52 K per nine and just a 1.98 walk per nine. I can't find grades of him anywhere, but Fangraph, uh, who don't have good grades for him, are showing a 40 future value. But based on the numbers he put up last year, I'd say this could be changing for the better. Yeah, I think Leftwich is a guy that has a lot of upside. Um, uh, in particular, you know, he's done well at the levels he's played at, which I think is a I think that people overlook when they just look at rankings. Is like, you know, you look at rankings and some guys just aren't performing very well or, you know, performing up to where they're being ranked. But then you have these guys like this who are like pitching at a very high level, even though it's in, you know, single A or, or double A ball, um, where they're really overperforming that and just kind of flying under the radar. Um, and, you know, Maybe it does translate, maybe it doesn't, but it's a guy who's already doing well and has a, you know, he could be on a path to definitely see some uh, major league play here in the next year or two. Um, and then you have Peterson is, you know, who knows? It, it, is, it is just a one-year rental. It's a one-on-one contract. So you're just buying him for a year and hoping that he falls into like kind of a perfect situation where he's playing every day um, down the stretch. But like you said, you don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um I think there's a good chance of Veerling actually plays more than him um, post, you know, Veerling's trade from uh, the Phillies. Um, I think there's a very good chance he's turns into kind of an everyday outfielder for Detroit. Um, and you don't know if that's going to happen with San Francisco or not. Yeah, with, I think uh, Peterson. Veerling's in a spot battle with Badu is what I would say. You got to think uh, Meadows and Riley Green have those spots locked up in the outfield already. Well, if they even want to play Meadows for defense, he could be the DH. But you also you have Miguel Cabrera, so that spot's kind of taken. They're not going to bench him, especially paying him, what, like $30 million a year. Uh, so, I mean, Veerling, as was very discussed by Sean and Jamie, his stat cast numbers and everything else really projected well. It's just if he can reach that in games. Yep. Then, uh, then we got this last trade. 
Uh, the last trade is between the Reds, who've been quite active, and the Twins, the newest member of our league, looking to make some moves to improve the problems that he has inherited. Uh, the Twins get Ricky Tiedemann, the Toronto starting pitcher that's already been moved once in this pod. I'll keep it brief here, as I just talked about him, but a stellar arm that has front-of-the-line uh, potential. And he also got $10 of cruise cash, which I think is kind of important in this trade, uh, considering uh, the Reds got Miguel Vargas, the 12th-ranked spec, uh, and 30 on Baseball America's. Top 100 for 2023, carried by 65 hit and 60 run grade. Only real questions are with him are about the glove. Uh, but that will be tested as, as he's projected to be the Dodgers opening day second baseman and will be thrown into the fire with an uber competitive team. The projections do favor him, though, as he's set for 366.25 points in our league, making him one of the more valuable win now young players. So I say those $10 are pretty valuable because, I mean, I know Vargas is the higher ranked prospect and projected for it to play now, but I think Tiedemann could get some run and to essentially trade when you're getting, when they're only separated by like six spots, I, I don't think the difference in value is that much. Yeah. I think you're trading for like a one year head start kind of in a way here. Mm-hmm. Cause like Vargas is going to play this year. Like you said, Tiedemann is likely going to start in the minors and, um, you know, get majorly play this year, but it's like, you're getting a one year head start by trading for Vargas, they're both on our one contract. So it doesn't make a difference too much there, but um, like you said, Vargas likely going to get the at-bat. It's going to be an R2 next year. Tiedemann, you're probably getting an extra year of R1, yeah, if I were to guess. Um, so it's just, if you want to take the kind of faster approach or slower approach, I guess, um, with the rebuild here, but um, yeah, Tiedemann has the upside uh, for sure. And they're both high level specs. I, I think it's interesting that like Tendo's cruise cash is kind of a lot, I feel like it's like half of what you're uh, allowed to trade, assuming you don't have extra that you're getting. So that's kind of a lot to give for maybe a, you know, minor difference in prospect when you look at like the rankings, like they're within a handful of rankings. So I agree. I mean, I understand maybe he had a favor for Vargas, but it's not like he is trying to win now. So that that one year extra doesn't mean that much. I mean, selling off Shane McClanahan shows where he's at, but I mean, it's just, doing this trade really sets it up that he has to compete in these next four years. Cause he is going to be an R2 next year guaranteed. Yep. Exactly. The Tiedemann get for the twins makes sense because uh, the position he came in at obviously lended himself to be set back just a little. So to get a pitcher that is supposed to be really good. I mean, we've seen what's happened with Toronto pitchers in the past with like Nate Pearson, but I mean, that's hopefully a one-time thing. Uh, but to have a pitcher, they could come up and be a Shane McClanahan, Spencer Strider on that $1 uh, really sets his staff up well to be affordable because uh, as you can see, even with my roster uh, to staff a competitive rotation is quite expensive. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think this definitely could be a smart move by both sides. Like you said, this kind of puts the Reds in the spot where they have to compete somewhat soon. Um you know, like you said, because Vargas is, um, you know, going to be elevated in R2 next year, most likely. Um, and I, I think it's a smart move from the Twins. You know, like you said, you get a high-level starter and you get some extra cash to spend in the next year's draft, which um, hopefully the Twins will be able to participate in the draft next year. I know that was a struggle this year with the with the whole situation there. Um, yeah. But I think it'll be useful. Yeah, I mean, I, the other thing I got to think about, though, is with the Reds, uh, they've been selling off so much. You know they have more cruise cash than just the 20, so mm-hmm. probably that 10 hurt them a lot less than it would uh, someone that's trying to compete now, and 20 is the max they got to trade. Absolutely. 
So uh, that is all for this week. That's all the trades that happened. I thought there was going to be a lot more with those three happening quickly, uh, but just four. So uh, if there's any more throughout the week, that'll be covered on Friday. And then yet again, I'm going to try and do every Friday or Thursday, I guess every Thursday, and Monday. Uh, and if there's not a lot of, not a lot of trades, maybe I'll just do a week at a time during the season. Uh, because the first couple of weeks there's not a lot of movement because everybody's kind of betting on their team that they've created. Uh, but the trade deadline will definitely probably be like every other day if things are getting crazy. All right. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back again on Thursday if there are trades. <laughs>